This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Hallelujah. All right, I will got quite a few things to share this afternoon, so we'll just go straight to the point. And um, I'm trusting God that those that will meet us later, they wouldn't have missed so much. Uh, but let's, let's just see how the Lord will help us. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. Isaiah chapter 60. And I read verses 1 through to verse uh, 3. Uh, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. He then says, um, all nations will come. Let me go back to King James Russia, sorry. He said, the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Amen. Uh, let me read it one more time. Um, listen carefully. Say, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. And his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, now this passage is one of those passages that I think they call redemptive passages in the scripture. That it talks about God bringing redemption and changing people from where they were to where he wants them to be. Now, the particular prophecy that Isaiah gave here was actually given to Jerusalem. And the purpose was that Jerusalem that lost its glory will get its glory back. Um, but, but we also know that the scriptures tell us um, that most of these prophecies, they look forward to our time. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. He said, the time is coming. When they that worship the Lord, they shall not worship him in Jerusalem or upon this mountain. He said, the hour is coming and now it is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking so to worship. I think verse 22 speaks about not. Go back to verse 22 for me, please, if you may. Right, exactly. He said, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship um, for salvation is of the Jews. And then, you know. Verse 24 then says, they that worship the Lord shall worship him in spirit and in truth. Where I'm going with that is that even though this prophecy in context was given for the restoration of Jerusalem, which we know will still be restored in the physical, but is actually speaking more unto you and I in the church. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 simply says, you are the temple of God, isn't it? And so, when he's talking about restoration of the temple, he's talking about you. Very quickly, because of quite a few things I would like us to go through. 
I wanted to take note that inside these three verses, I kind of seen three questions that can come out from there. I call them implied questions. They are implicit. They were not asked, but they are implied. But hopefully as I go through them, it will become clearer. Number one, I think the writer, of course, by the Holy Spirit, was asking the people, do you know who you are? Because when he says, a rise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is visible for you, he implied that you are not arising. You are sitting down there. I'm commanding you to arise now. You are sitting down. Do you know who you are? And so that's the first question. The answer to that, of course, is that you are more than we are seeing. And more than you dare believe you are. Amen. And this was actually the centrality of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ unto the disciples when he was here. He kept feeding them with words that, look, forget about the physical riches. Forget and thank God for that time of worship. Forget about the things that you see. Look, there is something about you that is more than the world is seeing. Unfortunately, more than you yourself, you are believing. And the place was telling these people that were you know, practical, you know, illustrate and ordinary people in Matthew chapter 11, verse 23. He said, you shall speak unto the mountain and it shall be removed and be cast into the sea. In another place, he said, I think Luke chapter 10, 19, he said, I give you authority that you can cast out devils and demons. Now, I was talking about people that, you know, they've never really seen major miracle before. He was not only talking about him doing miracles for them, but that they themselves, they are more than they are seen, and one day they will do miracles. And so that before he left, he sent them at one time to go and preach the gospel, and they came back with good results. Then he warned them in Luke chapter 12, verse 12. He said, you know what? All that you are doing will attract attention, will attract opposition. People that are a lot cleverer than you are. People that have been to the best of law schools in the land. People that are QCs of their time. They will stand you up. They will argue the law against you. In verse 12 of chapter 12 of Luke, he said, don't worry. He said, don't even prepare. Can you tell a lawyer going to court? And you have one of the toughest cases to face. Because in those days, when they were resisted, they were using the law. They would say, the law didn't say that. And whatever, in all the tests said against Jesus Christ about the law. He said, the law says if anyone is caught in adultery, he should be stoned. And so these are sharp minds, people that have studied hard. And they are now, Jesus was now telling them to prove unto them they are more than they are thinking they are. They are more than they have seen. They are more than the world they say. That when cases come against you, don't worry, don't turn to any references. Don't look at the other cases that the Supreme Court had judged. Don't look at the ones that the House of Lord are talking about. Don't worry. Just appear. Lawyers in the house, will you take that gamble in the real world? Say, just appear. And right from your head, stuff will be coming out. Now, those guys, they started believing it after a while. They started believing it unto the extent that Peter of all, who was about the quasest in character of all of them, took Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, which he read in the Lord, took it, and then turned it another. He said, for you are holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the surface of the earth. He then took it from the Judaistic religion that was about to pass away and metamorphose into the Christian faith, 
which the many of them didn't realize. He took it and fine-tuned it for us. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he came up. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he came up with what? For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. Time will fail me. Three things I can see from there. Number one, you are special. And I'm, I'm not, and, and, you see, this message I'm telling you, very difficult for many to believe because there have been two extremes of them that the church has preached. People have preached the goofy, goofy, you know, you don't have any responsibility, naming and claim it. It's not true. And some people have preached the other extreme that, you know, we are just worms. We don't amount to anything. Somewhere in the middle, that is where I believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is. I've not studied any book. I'm just studying Jesus now. Because I've studied so many. But somewhere in the middle. So, three things I see from that place, what the apostle said. You are special. And I, I pray you will believe that. Of course, I'll tell you why. A few other questions later. Number two, you are different. And number three, you have a purpose. If you don't remember anything in the scripture, may I commend and commit that to you that until you see Jesus, you remember those things. Number one, I am special. Number two, and number three, as I mentioned, each one of them I can spend time on. Let me just drop something. I'm different. That takes care of the all of your character and moral issue. So that means you can't just be like other people. I'm special. That takes care of the gifting of God in your life. So that you need to now rise up and say, you know what? There's something that God has invested in me that is nobody and grace comes in. All right? I leave that for a moment. Hallelujah. But I pray you will believe it. Amen? I pray you will believe it. Uh, Because people that don't believe it, they end up fulfilling this particular quote. Um, that's been attributed more to Miles Monroe, but I think it was first spoken by Les Brown. Uh, so that I can get it right, I wrote it down. He said, the graveyard is the richest place on earth. You've heard of that before. Because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, all because someone was too afraid, not knowing that it was special, to take that first step. He said, keep with the problem. Because the person does not know it's different. Or determined to carry out their dream. Because they don't even know they have a dream. Hallelujah. Much potential, little performance. Oh, Lord, help us. When, when, when 1994 or, or thereabouts, when we were born, you know, first venturing into the property market in London, we were still in London at that time. I remember we went for um, house viewing. I'm talking about potential. And, and we saw this estate agent who was showing us this house. And, uh, you know, we were kind of a little bit green. We don't know so much the uh, house that they just speak. We don't know their, the jargons. And the... So the man, we, we entered the house. And the man kept saying there's so much potential. But we look up and we can't see anything in the house. You know, he said, you know, there's so much potential. And he would take us to the kitchen and he said, ah, the house. When he sent email, did everything, so much potential. Later on, we remember, we got to know that so much potential means that, well, you are buying trouble, unless you've got money to spend. And I think many, of, many people in life, they are just potentials. There's no performance. I pray you will move beyond that. I pray we will move beyond that. And we'll get to the place of performance. 
Let me just mention one or two people. Now, they mentioned in that song, and God is here. And I know, I will tell you a few things as we go on. Some major shift that will take place as we are going forward. So, as if they saw my, my preaching script. When if he was talking about, you know, when she was ad-libbing in between, I was talking about, you know, we seek what we should not seek. We were looking for money instead of looking for the right thing. You know, it's as if my favorite verse of the Bible has completely been lost. I see people have never had it around this place. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What is it? That seeking for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. As if I've not proven it in my own life. As if some of you have not proven it in your life. It's as if it's just new, respectfully, it's as if he's French to us. It's as if he's Greek. That it's all about what God does in you that will make you to be who you ought to be. And I could see things just not where it ought to be. Simply because of this simple fact that we were focusing on the wrong thing. And so when I say you are special, you are different, you have a purpose, I'm not just talking about material things. I'm talking about something on the inside of you with God might turn to material things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You will know the mind of the Lord before the end of this week. And there are people that have gone before us. They started, they didn't have anything really. They had a dream. In fact, they were not working towards their dream. Joseph was a good example. This boy was loved by the father. The brothers hated him, but he kept at it. He was just making impact wherever he went. In the prison, he made an impact, interpreting dreams. In the place where he was sold into slavery, he was making an impact, just doing his work very well. He was not complaining. He was not saying, oh, until you solve my problem, Lord. No, he was not. He got on with it. Are you getting on with it? Are you getting on with it? Oh, we are too consumed by Lord until you answer that point. Well, it's not going to be by your own way. It has to be by his way. It's not going to be. And so this boy, Joseph, stood out so much that what he was not looking for, God gave him. And Solomon came along. God asked him. I've, I've checked myself many times. If God asked me, ask anything today. Maybe I, I, because of some changes taking place in me in the past few weeks, I will have asked the right thing. But many of us, God say, ask anything today. I'm sure you will ask a billion pounds. I'm sure. I'm 100% sure. And you will justify it. If I have a billion pounds, every health problem will be solved. Will it? If I have a billion pounds, all my debts will be paid. Yes, it may. But Solomon was why? He said, no. He said, don't give me. He won't mention. He said, don't give me riches. He said, don't give me, he said, just, he said, so that I may just be wise enough to do the work I'm called to do. And God said, you know what? I will give you even the riches you don't want. That's what I call blessing. Hallelujah. And, and so when we talk of making an impact, please, we're not talking of something big. Docas was a good example. It's worth reading Docas. Acts chapter 9, 36 to 40. Acts chapter 9, 36 to 40. It's another passage of the Bible I will commend unto you to keep with you. Because it's for the ordinary person. Because many times when we give example of great inventors of David, I will never be a king, you say, of uh, Joseph, well, I will never be in Egypt. Okay, leave them. Let's check Dockers. That woman only came into the Bible because of a problem in her life. We never would have known she existed. You understand? Because it was because she died. That was why Peter was sent for to come and raise her from the dead. And we heard that this woman had so much impact that people said, Peter, I pray. You know, is 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 what that you used to call the, the, the preacher's nightmare. When your congregants now ask you to do a miracle, 
You know, they insisted that we're not going to bury this person. Pastor, you must do everything. Well, well, the theology you are proving. And it was as if Peter's ministry was on the line. Had I raised this person or not? What would make that happen? This woman just was doing little things everywhere. Do little things all the time. We will talk about that another day. Hallelujah. All right, let me move on very quickly. So don't forget, you are special. Number two, you are. And number three, you are. And so don't worry. Do the bit you can do every day. So that is the answer to the question. The first question, do you know who you are? Number two question, why have I not reached my potential then? Does that make sense? If you have painted this glorious picture for us, Mr. Preacher, if you have told me that I'm special, I don't feel special. If you told me that I've got a purpose, I've tried to figure out what my purpose is, but I really don't know. And so, the question is, why have I not? Or maybe I even sense I have a purpose, but I've not. Why have I not? Simple answer. Because you are being resisted. It's not, it's, it's not necessarily because there's something wrong with your, your, your faculty. No, you are being resisted. And that's another message that the Lord is really embedding on my heart. You know, the first time the devil was introduced in the Bible, he manipulated a few people. And that has not changed. You see, the same process, if he stops a person from reaching their destiny, if a person is not reaching his or her destiny, it's because there's a force stopping you. And guess what that force is? It's the demon forces. We kind of, over time, have lowered the bar. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Thank you, Father. It talks about, for we wrestle not against flesh and, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the, that is where our battle is. Jesus Christ, before he finished his prayer, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 13, and deliver us from us from evil. So much evil and I will walk into the day as if there's nothing wrong. You know, we, 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 we pray little prayers in the morning. And Jesus Christ, also in Matthew chapter 26, he said the flesh is the, the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is he said, therefore watch and some people have used that, somebody said as a cozy pillow. Oh, you know my flesh is weak. You know, that's not what he said. No, no, that's not what he said. He said, you know what? You better be alert. I know your spirit wants to do it, but your flesh is the greatest hindrance that will destroy you. And the only way you can stop your flesh from destroying you is that do two things. Do what? Now, I started praying that prayer. Because many of us don't know how to watch and pray. He taught me how, as he taught you. Can anybody rise up and tell me how to watch and pray? It's a big topic. Watching and praying is that you must be on your point that before any disaster will strike you, you are so in tune with God that you are aware about it. Your antenna is so clear. Some of the things we have found ourselves in, in our walk with the Lord, in the blessing that will have come unto us, because we were not watching. He taught me how to watch and pray. We lift our hands. I just look, like people used to say, you know, what will Jesus do? Do you really know what Jesus will do? Do you really know him that much? You know, you used to wear those ring bags those days. He taught me how to watch and pray. Have you learned how to watch and pray? A topic for another day. So all I'm building here is for you folks that there is resistance outside there. Amen. 
There's resistance outside there. And you will not be the first to be resisted. It's not you that will be the first person that will be resisted. A good story that you must read over and over again in the Bible is Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to chapter 5, verse 20. I repeat, Mark 4, 35 to 41, and then you go to chapter 5, and you read verses 1 to 20. It is a manual for life. The story began about Jesus Christ trying to cross the Sea of Galilee, more like a lake. But he that was crossing, Jesus that was, knew what he was going to do. By the special grace of God, I've been to that particular place before. And the Sea of Galilee, actually, you can see the other shore from one shore. Now, at this time, Capernaum, which was on one side where Jesus' ministry was based, his headquarters, as it were, was a Jewish area which was Christian. There was the other side that he went to, which was where the ten cities were, the Capolis, that was primarily idolatrous. Because in that story, when you go to chapter 5, they were idolatrous because they were keeping sheep, they were keeping pigs which Jews don't keep. Anyway, to cut the long story short, Jesus was going to cross that river and a storm came up and the storm was so bad that, you know, Jesus knowing what he was going to do, the disciples were so worried that, you know, they knew it was going to end. I don't know whether you have been in a storm before on the sea, but it could be very scary. And so to cut the long story short, the storm even intended to kill Jesus and his disciples. But praise God, the storm did not succeed. Then Jesus crossed over. He got onto the other side, and there was this man that was waiting for him there. Many of us call that man the madman of Gadara. I don't think, the Bible didn't call him mad. The Bible said he was possessed by devils. And I will tell you a few things about that, just to, tell, to relate the story to you. As soon as Jesus came into that place, the Bible tells me, please put verse 5 on the screen. Just told us a few things about that man. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 3, please. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, nor even, not even with chains. Keep going. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Verse 5, and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Stop there. Jesus crossed over, saw this man who was demon-possessed. But there were a few things about this man. Don't quote me. That's my interpretation. That's my take on it. That tells me that he may have been demon-possessed, but he did not seem to have manifested the characteristic of a psychotic person. This man had what we call what? Insight. Insight means that he knows what he's doing. And usually, you tend not to say the person is actually mad once they have insight. 
Schizophrenic doesn't have insight. A person with a bipolar doesn't have insight. And these are diseases, don't worry, just like appendix, they're just like anything. So mental health, there's nothing shrouded about it. Let's, let's be very clear about that. But this man, for all intent and purposes, I'm getting somewhere with you, he had an oppressive spirit in him. And I think the man recognized that this spirit is not allowing him to be whom God wanted him to be. So his cry could have been, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Romans chapter 7 verse 24. His cry would have been, this spirit, I can't get a clear head. I know I should have a clear head. That takes him immediately from the position of being mad to the position of a person that is just being troubled by the spirit. You agree with me? Because he had insight. And so this man knew his God. Now, how does that apply to you? How many of us have been crying in our hearts, oh God, why should I be having this rise and falling? Why, who will deliver? I've prayed, I've done everything. I need to be free from this oppressive spirit. I try to be successful, I'm not successful. I try to make progress, I'm not making progress. Even the spiritual life is kind of on the line. Oh Lord, who will set me free? And in the desperation of the man, possibly trying to take his own life, he was cutting himself. Of course, the people responded by binding him. How many people have responded to our cry by trying to tie us? Do this, do that. And the man said, I don't need chains. I just need deliverance. And that broke my heart. I said, how many people, rather than crying to God with them to get deliverance, have tied them in chains? It's because of this, it's because of that. So they kept tying the man. And what proved unto me that the demons in this man was a store shopper. The demons in this man, or the, you know, he called himself a singular, so I use him as singular. The demon in this man, you know, was a store shopper. The demon in this man was hindering his destiny. Was because, and all he was doing was to get himself rid of the demon, that immediately the demons enter into pigs. What did the pigs do? We can't handle this. They drowned. I believe that man wanted to commit suicide, but he couldn't. But God stopped him. Just like the devil wanted to kill Joe, but God stopped him. I believe he cutting himself. I think he was cutting his wrist. I believe he was cutting himself so that he could die because there's too much darkness around him. So if, you, if you've been flogging yourself, the Lord is asking me to tell you today, you will go back and you will be in that special position. There will be a return around for you. And Jesus Christ shall be glorified. And then he, he, he went on. Not only was he cutting himself and, and, and doing all those things to, to hinder himself, you know, he eventually, you know, worshipped Jesus when he saw Jesus, which also proved unto me that that man knew what he was doing. I used to say, why? I said, if this man is mad, why, why will he recognize Jesus? I mean, he saw Jesus fell at his feet and worshipped him, and practically, then the demon spoke in him. He said, why? Because the man, I think, was not, it's not a matter of madness. Conclusion. After all he went through, Jesus delivered him. Then his real life purpose came out. To be what? An evangelist. And he went around and he won the whole city for Jesus Christ. May you see beyond... Let, let, let me leave this one with you. There are some people that are just living to make a living. But they don't have a life. May we have a life. You see, the world around us is so materialistic... And we, even the church, we've been sucked into that. Many of us don't have a life. Even as you are hearing this, it will take, and that's why I will tell you what God plans for us to do. It's not, God will start something today. But it's not a one-day job. Because we didn't reach here in one day. 
The average human being, they just live so that they can hike out a living. And they sap every energy resource. People don't have lives anymore. Something lasting. Oh, stop saying that. The bulk of the world, they're ordinary like me. Well, the bulk of the world may be ordinary. You can choose to be. But I think it's wise not to judge because one of these days we shall stand before God. And you will answer for that you heard that you've been redirected to say, don't live your life just to eat and drink. Don't live your life just to satisfy the things that are temporary. Hallelujah. I beg of you, let us stop fooling around. Amen? We are being resisted. Did you hear me? Your purpose is being resisted. You are where you are simply because there is a force that is stopping you. Amen? And that force, God wants to deal with that force for you. Question number three, and the final question. Hopefully, I'll spend a little bit longer on that. Question number one, implied in it is that you are more... Do you know who you are? Because when he said, arise and shine. Question number two. So well, I like the line. He said, okay, let's find out what has gone wrong. Question number three. I believe will be what actually went wrong and what can I do? The devil is resisting me, but how? What actually went wrong? That is why the song they sang was very appropriate. You lost your fire. You lost your fire. Some of you, the visions and dreams you had as teenagers, even before you gave your life to Christ, they are all gone now. Even after you know Jesus, that should be brighter. brighter. You lost your fire along the line. And you started taking in what does not profit and substituted with what should profit you. I believe the greatest and possibly the only weapon in the devil's hand is to kill and quench the fire in a person. If it makes you to say that you don't want anything and remove passion, and removes passion and zest and zest from you. The person is finished. And you can do all you have. You can. People can give you occasional help. But for you to go on the journey on your own, you need fire. And that's the scripture is filled with examples of people that lost their fire. Numbers chapter 13, people were sent to a place to go and spy it. They came back. They were giving bad reports. The, the expectation they had when they were going, devil got them there, made sure he discouraged them properly, showed them things that would make them not to want to go forward. You are sitting down or somewhere along the line we've been discouraged. And we all, we've all faced discouragement at various times in our lives. God is sending unto us words today that that is what Go, went wrong, and that can change. John 21, verse 2. We had Peter there who was ready to say, Jesus, I will follow you to the end, I will preach the gospel, and suddenly he lost his fire. I'm going back to my day job. That's a loss of fire. I'm not going to serve God anymore. That's essentially what he was saying. Psalm 73, verses 1 to 5, or 1 to 16 altogether. Long passage. David lost his fire. He said, I look at the prosperity of the unrighteous. I see that they don't have problems like Christians do. Oh, God, I, I'm tired. I have, it's not fair. And then in verse 16, he said, until God opens my eyes, when I went to the sanctuary of God, I, see, I could see their end. He lost his fire briefly. Thank God he got it back. And how do I know all these people lost their fire? Because they were not shining anymore. And that is the area that we'll pause a little bit and spend some time. All lights are caused by fire. Amen? When it says, arise, shine, for your light has... There's one thing inside that has not been mentioned. What is that thing? Fire. 
If he says, arise and shine, your light has come. The reason is that there is no light that is not caused by a fire. Do you agree or not? All right. I agreed until I started checking. And I checked, what about fluorescent lights? Not the kind in the room here. There are some animals in the deep sea. I watch all those programs. Very funny. They, they, they educate me a lot. And I see that they are, some of them, like about two kilometers deep. And pitch darkness, their pressure so high. If any human beings would dive onto that level, you know, with that proper equipment. No, they'd never dive onto that level. They had to go with submarines, you know, that can withstand heavy pressures. 200 atmosphere or more. And they are filming them. And I saw some of them, you know, just blipping light. I, 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 I check. I said, well, Lord, if I'm going to stand here, based on what I believe your word says, that there's no light without fire. What about those ones? Then I checked. In actual fact, they are not generating light themselves. It is the invisible light energies that penetrate deep that they take in and they convert into visible light. So, whether the ultraviolet, which is on the other end, how many of you did physics here? All right, God bless you. If you don't, I will teach you a bit of physics. All the light that we see, at least let me relax a little bit. Let, let, let me. All the light we see, the visible spectrum of light we call it. Is that okay? I mean, it's not too big. I'd be thin. I mean, if Peter could learn this, thing, you can. Sorry. Bless the old man. You know? So, the visible range of light, we say it starts with red. Yes? Orange. Good. You know the mnemonics. Orange. Yellow. Green, blue, indigo. Somebody said purple. All right. In between, in between that, that is all you see. And also, just yesterday, I discovered that the first time, that's all, every other light we see, they're just a mixture of that. You know, a little bit of indigo plus violet, a little bit of red plus this, and that's, they, they all mix. But for the first time, I learned that they discovered a new blue shade now in 200 years. Okay. But within that range of light that we see, there is to the other end of the violet, what we call the what? And to the lower end of the red, which we call, isn't it easy? Usually we just cram them. When I grew up, I started working them out. <laughs> now, between those ends, a lot of light is going on in the world that you don't even see. So some of those light that we don't see, they can't, and all of them come from the sun. And the sun is a burning, raging ball of fire. I hope you know that. And the temperature inside the sun is just about 10 million degrees Celsius. Very small. No, 15. There are 15 million degrees Celsius. And one other thing I discovered about light. Please listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Another thing I discovered about light and temperature. There is no highest temperature that can be reached. But there is the lowest temperature that can be reached. Have you discovered that? What is the lowest temperature that can be reached? 200, minus 273. Yeah, that's the lowest. I used to think that Pluto is so far that when we get to Pluto, the temperature will be like minus 2,000. No. When it gets to a stage, so that means there is a minimal level a person can fall. You can just die spiritually, but there is no highest height you can reach onto. You can keep burning. It's up to you. Your kettle burns at 100 degrees centigrade. Bless the kettle. Your 
Kitchen stove, your gas burner, burns at 300 degrees centigrade. Bless your kitchen burner. The welder's lights, what do you call it again? Oxacetylene or something like that. Burns at about 1,000. Sun, 10,000. You set how bright you want to burn. You set how high you want to fly. And so, there is no light without fire. Amen. You ain't going to shine unless there's fire in you. You can dress it anyhow. It is the fire that determines how bright we shine. And to get fire ignited takes effort. It takes gathering stuff. I'd rather have a Ford Focus, 1998 Ford Focus. Or let me say 1995 uh, Ford. Eh? Yeah, that's, that was my kind Lord I was trying to tell you. Escort. Red Ford Escort. I'd rather have it with fuel inside it than have a Boeing 787 Dreamliner with no fuel inside it. I had the privilege of flying in the Dreamliner a time. They said it's the best aircraft, arguably the best aircraft now in the world. It's pretty silent. They were correct. Very efficient. It's very smooth. It deals with bombs and all these turbulence better than other planes. It's so well-shaped. But it is only a carcass if there's no fire in it. And many of us, we are just dressing the outside. Time will show there's no fire. I said, I'm not standing here to just do window dressing anymore. It's a matter of time. You will know there's no fire. The world will know. It is when there's a demand place that we know there's no fire. I'm prepared to use my last hounds of blood to make sure there's fire. Matthew 3 verse 11, that is the mission of Jesus. That was different from the mission of the other prophets. Matthew 3 verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the year of the Holy Spirit, and he will baptize you with fire. Brethren, Fire has gone out in many people. It's window dressing. Lord, return the fire. And the wise, we say, Lord, help me. The unwise, we say, well, I'm okay. Oh, I need fire. You need fire. And when the fire is there, you will have heat. When the fire is there, there will be light. There will be motion. That is what fire does. The only thing you will take out of life today and all our quality of life will gradually grind to a halt. Oxygen will die almost immediately. But if you take a fire, all lives will gradually grind to a halt. And that is the same thing in the spirit. The person that has no fire does not die immediately. It's a slow death. The person may not even know. If the motion will still be going on. It's just like you are pushing a dream liner. You can push up to an extent when they're pushing them out. No engine. It is when you now say, go to the wrong way and take off. Then we, then we now know that, ah, so it's all photo trick. May your life and my life never be seen as photo trick. 
may we know that God is about to turn our lives around so that we don't go around in this cycle of up today, down tomorrow in Jesus' name. How do you get the fire back? Very quickly. Number one, 2 Kings chapter 2, 23 to 24. 2 uh, Kings chapter 2, 23. Through praise. Elisha, the man of God. Very funny story. He lost his fire. And that's why I'm, it's, it's, this talks to me more. Because you actually, the more your fire bright, it burns, the more likely it is for people to know when there's a drop in temperature. You know, where there's no fire, they don't know. So, <laughs> you know, Elisha, the man of God, was burning very far, you know, was doing very well. He just grew angry one time. Wow. And before he knew it, the spirit departed. He wanted to prophesy, couldn't prophesy. And so, what did he have to do? He even saw some 56, 56 children coming out, and they abused him. What, what has that got to do? An old man. And the children everywhere, they abuse people now. And so the children, they came, hey, say, oh, baldy, oh, see, bald man, bald man. And they were blowing whistles. And, and the man of God just grew angry. You just got the mantle of Elijah fall upon you. That's why he that thinks he's time, let him be well, lest he falls. He that thinks I'm okay. You don't know what we confront you as you live here. If the fire is not strong enough. And the man of God just cursed them. Curse children. And he cursed them. The Bible said the bear came out from the bush and tore it to pieces. That was the last time, last time. Elisha ever did anything to hurt any human being in this world last time. Even when the whole army was sent to take him and arrest him, he did not kill them. He blinded them, threw them to the king, opened their eyes later, and they said, go back to where you are coming from. And the king was like, okay, he said, kill. Did you arrest them? Lifelong lesson. Fire can go down. Now, let me not bring it to our level, because many a time when I talk about this fire, I'm looking at something very big. Fire includes your relationship with your wife. The area you are not angry before, and you are in a good spiritual place. You, you're okay with your children. Play where you don't lose your temper before. The kind of swear word that has gone in your life. When your fire goes down, swear word will come back. So don't, don't take it for granted. I'm not talking about changing nations. I'm talking about your day-to-day living that will affect where you are. The opposition you face that work that you could handle three months ago. Now, before they even bring the wrong pen onto your table, you have swore about 50 times on the inside. And you, are, you eventually you told somebody last, if not that I'm a Christian. It's a fire issue. Oh, it's a fire issue. Because it takes fire to resist opposition against you. Where they are pulling you down, when you have fire, you can climb that mountain. That's a pull. Pulling you, but of course you rev your engine, you go because there's fire. It's all a fire issue. It's all a fire issue. So, this man got his fire back through praise. Hallelujah. Got his fire back through praise. He said, bring me a minstrel. And as begin to, and some fire was ignited here this morning as they were leading us in worship. If you are sensitive enough, if you've got some oil, at least some oil. That's why I said we baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Our Holy Spirit represents what? Oil. And what is fire? Fire. So when the Holy Spirit is in you, there must be an ignition of that oil of the Holy Spirit. If you've got some oil at all, if you've got some Holy Spirit in you at all, and you saw the fire drop here this morning, you will have been ignited. You will have been ignited. So praise can make the fire to be ignited again. And so whenever they are praising God, put your heart there. It ignites things. It ignites things. Number two, thing that can bring your fire back. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 6 to 8. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 6 to 8. 
There was a time that David was so hard-pressed, made the wrong decision to go and join an army to fight for them, and those were just bounced in. It was like the old Duke of, uh, what's that poem again? Is the old Duke of York? Grand Duke of York. He led his troop to the top of the mountain, and uh, so that's what David did. He just led his troop to the top of the mountain, got there, they went there again. They said, we didn't want you. So went back home, double problem. The home he left had now been attacked, and he was now in double problem. And the third problem came. Because his soldiers' wives and children were taken from them, they forgot about David's problem and said they would stone him. When that happened, David did something very, very simple. He said, bring me the word. In those days, the effort is like the participation of the word of God. When the word came in, he found direction. And the Bible said, he regained all that he lost. Psalm 119 verse 30, the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding unto the simple. If you want the fire to be in you, at least read a few verses of the word of God every day. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. He said, your word is like a burning fire in my heart. And finally, what again can get you your fire back? Second Chronicles chapter 20 verses 5 to 6. I think we can read that one. So that I'll close on that, and then we pray briefly. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. I'll tell you the background in a minute, okay? And said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to we stand to stop there for a moment. He started praying because an army had gathered against him. In fact, not just an army, it was a confederacy of nations. And they said they were going to destroy Israel. And so the man started praying. And he was calling on the name of the Lord God. Because of our time, let's go to verse 11. I hope that we do justice to it. If not, I'll just narrate the story for you. And he said, here they are rewarding us by coming. No, leave it alone. Let me just tell you the story. It's, it's long, but we haven't got the time for that. So eventually, Jehoshaphat gathered the people together. He gathered the people together. In actual fact, one of the places, it was a Levite when they all gathered. He said, all their sons and daughters, all their children, they all gathered. Israel was in serious trouble. He was afraid. The strength in him was gone. The fire was gone. He was not the shiny, bright king that he was anymore. His face was dull. And so he didn't know what to do. So he gathered the people. The Levites were praying, and the priests were doing their thing. And one of the choir members, the Levites, stood up and prophesied. And that was when he then said, we don't know it's a fair. It wasn't a prophet, a hard prophet. It wasn't a priest. It was just an ordinary church member. He prophesied and gave them confidence. And when they had that confidence, Jehoshaphat in verse 20 re- repeated the word of the man. He said, oh, people, he said, believe the word of the Lord your God and believe his prophet and uh, you shall prosper. And of course, they won that war. They were free. The fire that went out 
went out not because Jehoshaphat prayed in secret, but because he gathered the people together. And the urgency of this message for all of us, and possibly for the few that are already understanding it, cause, after I've prayed, that there will be regular gathering for us for these next seven days. Just six to seven in the evening, I will advise that you fast along, just skip your lunch, essentially, your breakfast, you eat, and we meet six to seven every day, and we have one prayer point. That your light will shine. That fire will come. So much can a person share the fire he has. Everybody has to get his own fire. The ten virgins, they had enough fire to last them for so long, and they turned to their labor. In fact, the fire that Jesus physically had here was not enough for the disciples. He said the time is coming when they will need to fast and pray and get their own individual fires. My intention was that, Lord, as I'm chasing you, as I'm pressing on, as I'm making up my mind, oh, happy to be of faith. He said, look, let everybody get their fire. Everybody get their fire. Because in the day of trial, you will need your own fire. You will need your own fire. Just seven days, six to seven. On Wednesday, um, we have the usual... Uh, blessed generation this is the second uh, one in the month, the second Wednesday. And um, we'll probably exceed that seven o'clock a little bit. We take time to do what we normally do pray for the children. And they should have circulated that now. My future is bright. And the Lord gave me that topic well before even this past week. My future is bright. So bring the children, we will pray for them on the day. On Thursday, we meet again, 6 to 7 sharp. We go back and pray. Friday, we pray again. When your fire is burning, all this murmuring and complaining, I guarantee you in Christ Jesus, they will all go away. Long-term problem, I have no doubt in my mind. Because we're going to pray the right prayer. We're going to ask for the right thing. And as we do so, it will be a transformation for our lives. All things will pass, all things will become new. The fire will come the fire will come. And when the fire comes, your light will shine in the name of Jesus. Rise up on your feet with me. And let's start today. Let's just start. Let's just start asking for that fire. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I hope you understand what we mean by fire. That extra hoof. That extra energy. I'm talking of the supernatural one now, not the one that we get by taking stuff. The one that comes only from God. Close to 15 years now, I preached a sermon in Mount Clamato with Slice on a Sunday. I remember. I don't know if anybody will remember. And um, the picture was that everyone, there are pressures coming from outside 
Uh, it's constant. Everybody, there's always pressure coming from my side. But everyone also has some degree of pressure on the inside. Anybody remember that message? Okay, there's, there's a degree of pressure inside. And a person that stays balanced and okay is the one that in the minimum, the pressure inside is able to counteract the pressure outside. So there will be pressure outside, it is given. Forget it, that will be. There's no, there's no, as long as on this earth, there will be. And your case is not special. It might look special to you, it's not. And that may sound callous. It's not, sorry. Because if you go down the road, we'll find the case that's worse than yours. Oh, we will. So, but the difference between victors and vanquished is the ability of the strength on the inside. It is after you have counteracted the pressure over your life, that is the time you can then move out to do what you have to do. It is when you have come out of your cage. Stop operating inside a cage. There's so much you can do within a cage. We need to come out of the cage so that we can be whom God has called us to be. So there can be peace in your home. So that your husband can move ahead. So that your children can be what God has called them to be. Above all, so that you yourself can be, you can live a good life. I was looking at someone I just said in my heart. I said, ah, life is hard for this person. And you know what? God was giving me a message for that person to tell the person, how hard life will not be hard anymore. The mere fact that you are going through problems does not mean your life has to be hard. There are many people going through real hard life, man. Real hard life. I mean, they, they can't remember the last time they really, really smiled. You know what? If you are serious, that will change this week. And I'm not talking about smiling, uh, suffering and smiling. I'm talking of genuine smile. The one that you will know there's a reason to smile. There's a reason to laugh. June chapter, uh, June 30, chapter 30. June 30, we remember... We have a main Holy Ghost service here in Scotland. The title of it is My Time to Laugh. It's my time to laugh. I'll be holding it in Glasgow. And I know there are too many heads that are bowed in the kingdom. You know, when you, when you, when you go back to the secret place of your room, you, you, we, we just put up appearances here. It's pretty dark here. That fire is coming back. Amen. That fire is coming back. Amen. The first prayer I will pray on our behalf, as Daniel did in chapter 9, and that's a prayer of repentance. The second prayer, we will pray together, and then I will uh, leave it at the third prayer. I think we will pray a little bit and I will pray. But let's go and go. Join your faith with mine as I pray. Father, please in your mercy, forgive our lack of diligence that has made us not to stoke the fire. Forgive us. We are quick to blame people we see. But your word has said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We knew the verse inside out, but we never lived it. We've been fighting family members. We've been fighting colleagues at work instead of fighting the forces that are moving them. Because it's harder sometimes to fight the forces that we don't see than to fight the people that we see. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. Many a times we have even been very cocky about it. 
we have resisted your word sent unto us. But today, have mercy, O God. Have mercy. As much as we have understood this today, let, as we start to pray, your Holy Spirit fire our hearts up so that we will ask the right way for the fire that we need. Your words, even in the scriptures, they were very cryptic. They were only written for those who are diligent and want to find out more. You didn't throw your words around because you don't cast your pearls before the swine. That's why I pray for a change of heart for your church. Not this local church alone, but the church of Jesus Christ. There will be a deep desire to dig deeper into the world. To not just be satisfied with the crumbs, but to know that nobody gets things of substance without paying a price. Let that change in your church. Begin from this local congregation. Forgive us against Lord. And show yourself mighty in the midst of your church. Jesus' mighty name we pray. You will join prayer two and three together. And if the Lord gives me the grace, as you are praying, I'm a minister. But if not, something has started already. Amen. Amen. A fire has been lit already. You will not be left out. When others are burning, you will not stay cold. Two prayer points joined together. The first one is, Father, send down your fire over my life. Light the fire in me, O Lord. And our title is actually Light the Fire. Light the fire in me, O Lord. No more lukewarmness. Join that after you pray that to your heart's satisfaction. My fire shall never die again. I will shine for my Savior in the name of Jesus Christ. So first prayer point, remember, send down your fire over my life. Lift up your voices and call on the name of the Lord. I won't help you more than that. If there are only 10 people that are desperate to see that fire, my father and your father, we answer you. Light your fire in mirror God. You let the worship team, you know, ahead of time because you know this is the message for this season. And they said, Lord, let the order be restored to my life. Let no fire be sent back to my life because that is the message for this moment. No other word. Send down your fire, oh God. Send down your fire. Light the fire in me. Light the fire so that my life will be in order so that my fire will burn and everything will come together and the fire that shall be lighted today and this week shall never die again in the name of the lord jesus oh lord my heart cry is to see a bunch of people blazing for you too hot for the devil to touch up. A group of people who will hold their own against the devil. Who will stand in the marketplace. Who will stand in the industries. Who will stand in their neighborhood. And we decree and declare with confidence that every 
every opposing force be pulled down because there's fire in there. Lies the fire. Send down your fire, oh God. Send down your fire. Reshende limo senderia liba. Yese kataya libo shendre de libo. Yes, Lord, send your fire in the name of the Lord Jesus. Send your fire, oh God. Is the cry of the desperate. Is the cry of the desperate. We are desperate, oh God. Send out your fire. We have been taken advantage of for too long. There are many who possibly are not in church today simply because not enough fire to gather themselves together, dress up and come. But we know if peradventure they are listening remotely, that fire will touch them. And there shall be a turn around in the name of the Lord Jesus. Cry unto him who can ignite you. Cry unto him who can make the fuel to be deposited in your life. Send your fire, oh God. Oh, please pray, my brother, my beloved sister, that you are so loved in Christ. My beloved brother, so loved. My heart passion for you and for me is that the fire we fall. We live in a city where there's so much darkness. The darkness is almost taking us over. But Lord, send your fire. Send your fire. Send your fire. Send your fire, oh God. The men of all, they called for fire. And the fire came. Oh God. God of Israel. Santa Oh, send your fire. Send your fire. Oh, the fire is here. The fire is here. The fire is here. The fire is here. So the fire in. Oh, Shanderia Alababa. Keep crying unto him. Keep crying unto him. Keep crying unto him. The Lord has told us the answer. The answer is in the fire. The answer is in the fire. The answer is in the fire. Oh, yes. The answer is in the fire. It is in the fire. Lord, I command in the name of Jesus, let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. Oh, Lord, in this place, let your fire fall. Oh, send your fire in this place, Lord. Send your fire. Send your fire, oh God. Yes, Lord. Holy Ghost fire, send it, yeah, Lord. Let everything that is dead come back alive. Every glory that is lost, let it be restored. Oh, my Father, please. Oh, Lord, we have been overrun by darkness. We have almost been overrun. Hear me, Lord. Hear, oh God, God of Israel, El Elohim Israeli, El Elohim Israeli, Lord God of Israel, oh Lord God of Israel, Adonai, 
God of fire, God of Elijah, send your fire to this church, send your fire to this city, send your fire. Ekra poshanteria kaha, zizuria mashande dekeria laba. Oh Father, we thank you. Hallelujah, Debra Tayala Baba. Yeproshende de Colony, 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 Colony. Oh, thank you, Father. We give you honor. Oh, I love you, Lord. We love you. Draw our hearts close to yourself, Lord. Oh, draw our hearts close to yourself, Lord. Send your fire. Send your fire. Blessed be the name of him who rules and reigns. Thank you, Father. Oh, yes, Lord. Anyone desperate, desperate. Thank you, Father. Desperate for the fire. Desperate for the fire. Believe the Lord is laying on my heart. You just quickly come forward, orderly. Sylvester, come and just organize as many as want to. Stay in the aisle. Just touch the altar here. Just touch this place. And as you touch, I know it's a physical sign for, it's a visible sign for the invisible worker. And fire will be ignited. Just touch and leave. Just touch and leave. Just touch and leave. Just touch and leave. Because God of heaven and earth will do something awesome in your lives. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Oh, let the fire fall. In Brozo Borita Shande de Kelia, Zisumbre Sataya Lika Shande de Ke. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. In Grespero, Yizupre Katayala. That will look impossible, will become possible because the fire will be burning. Yes, Lord. That will seem dark, will be lightened because the fire shall burn. Just touch. Just touch, just touch. And as you go back, oh, the fire, oh, by its wisdom, maybe it's even looking red as a sign unto you. Uh, the sign of something fairy and passionate. Hallelujah. Send your fire, oh God. Send your fire, oh God. Send your fire, oh God. Some of you, if you have people that need healing at a far distance, you will pick your phone, you will call them with those hands that have touched this altar. And life shall flow down those phone lines and they shall receive the hand of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Oh, he said, as many as look up unto him, they were healed. You have looked unto him today. As many as touched the hem of his garment, he's a physical sign for the invisible worker. Oh, touch the hem of the master's garment and be healed. And be healed. Hallelujah. Kaproshendere alabo. Oh, we give you honor, Lord. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, send out your fire, oh God. We pray you, oh God. Yes, Lord.
visitation tonight please before you go to bed near by your bedside ask that the Lord as he has promised to reveal himself he will reveal himself Amen. ask for the grace to recall and ask for the wisdom to manage whatever he tells you but your life will never remain the same glorious thing has started in our lives. By his great mercy and kindness, some glorious things have started in this church. The day of lukewarmness, they are over. The day of unfulfilled Christian journey, they are over. This week, help us exceed our expectations. If there's no other location in this city and this nation where such fire is brooding, let it not die. But we pray the one that is starting in this church shall spread. Shall spread. Shall spread. shall replace darkness in our nation. Thank you, dear Father. We give you honor. We give you glory. Jesus, wonderful name we pray. Amen.